community is such a hot topic. And I, you know, I'd be lying to you if I didn't think it could literally solve for everything. But there isn't a lot of people that have a ton of experience applying it across different business models and industries and frameworks and stuff like that. So when I got Jack Foster to raise her hand to want to come on the show, thanks to our friends at Lemon Pie, I thought of it of this like really unique opportunity to get this very seasoned marketer to come in and talk about how she's applied community across these different business models like channel-led, partner-led, product-led, um, you know, and these these very different models. She brings in a ton of context of how this works. And if you think about it from like an SME standpoint, right, like a lot of us are channel-led or partner-led or a lot of us are sales-led and how all this stuff fits in is really where the magic sauce comes. So she contextualizes a lot of this stuff. And the beauty of it is that we kind of have the same truths, which is really interesting that I keep seeing around community. So I think you're really going to enjoy this. You're going to notice that she's using a lot of the similar concepts of how you make events on a regular basis that then turn into your podcast or, or turn into your marketing materials, whether it's at a periodic event like we do with the uh, trade shows or it's... um you know, these like other calls that become more of like a podcast ongoing content stream. So if you want to learn how to do that type of stuff, the way that we do it, we've got our relationship flywheel bootcamp coming up here at the end of February. We're looking for new members. So go to be the stage live slash bootcamp, and you're going to be able to uh, enroll in it for our fourth cohort, where we teach this whole methodology of how we do this thing, right? How we do the um, live show as a podcast, as a YouTube channel, as a social media content, and at the end of the day, a revenue generating engine like we did for our clients. You get to learn it all yourself. But for right now, enjoy this awesome conversation with Jack Foster. If you know how it is, then you know how it might be. But think what it would look like if you grow your own community. It ain't easy. That's why you're listening to hear experiences from others just like you and me. Welcome. To the B2B Community Builder Podcast, a show that was started because if you can unlock the power of having a community around your business, then you will create a source of referrals, validation, marketing content, and product feedback that will be unbeatable. But who has time to think about building a community when you need to be making sure that your team has what it needs to succeed in serving clients and bringing in revenue? That is why we'll be talking to business leaders like you and I that have cracked the code on why the community play is so valuable, how to implement tactics that got them there while still serving short-term goals, and what they can teach you that they have mastered. This show is for you if you are a CEO, CMO, or simply a rainmaker that has realized that without a community, you are just a commodity, but haven't figured out how to add it to your infinite list of priorities. This show is for you if you are a community professional or trying to be a community professional that is trying to convince leadership about the need to invest in a community strategy. This show is not for you if you think transactions are more valuable than relationships. I am your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez, co-founder of BeTheStage.Live, a marketing company that specializes in relationship-driven growth. I invented the relationship flywheel and hopefully... 
I'm your new best friend. So smash that subscribe button, leave a rating when you do, and get ready to plug into the power of community creation for business development. Let's go. Welcome, everybody, to the B2B Community Builder Show, episode 210. Who should be using community as part of their marketing with Jack Foster. I'm your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez. And today we have someone that's been in marketing for 17 years, been in a leadership position for, I think you said over 10 years, was it seven years or 10 years? Jack? To 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> in a leadership position over 10 years, has been across multiple different business models and also kind of mindset of company structure versus, you know, the venture led, these different types of things that make you think about it differently and is now building community as the VP of marketing for WorkRamp, which is a, you mentioned a, an acronym that I want to use accurately, Jack. What was it? It's like an ML something? <laughs> We're an all-in-one learning platform. So an LMS um, is probably learning management system. And yes, we help companies scale their learning experiences and tie learning initiatives to business outcomes across customers and employees. So that's the that's the 30,000 foot view on WorkRamp. Boom. I love it. As If you were here last week and you heard my keynote, you know that culture and you know that getting everybody on the same page and speaking about things is crucial to communities. So tools like WorkRamp, super, super valuable in the future of this space. But for right now, I want to welcome our community that has already checked in with our usual roll call. Rowan is in the chat. She's our community manager. If you need anything, you know, pop it in the chat, pop it in the Q&A. You're part of this conversation. Pratiti Patak, welcome to the show today. Love having you on board. Pratiti is our, uh, she's just like a wise sage of like motivation and mindset and has gone through some amazing things. Pumped to have her on. Seth Goldstein, my buddy from Peak Community, who's got his own marketing agency out there doing great things with the uh, Entrepreneurs Enigma show. Denise Heyman Loa, good to have you back, Denise. Love having you here. Michael Haynes, checking in from Sydney, Australia. He's a coach for CEOs. I love the internet. I love the fact that I have a friend in Australia right now. That was never possible before. And what also wasn't possible is for me to become friends with you, Jack. So I'm really pumped to have this going. And I like to start each of these shows asking you the fundamental question, right? Like why community, right? You are now the VP of marketing You've been in leadership here in multiple kind of like real companies that are doing solving big problems. And it and based on your byline and based on the way that you describe yourself, it's clear to me that you very much buy into this thing and see this as a very viable go-to-market action. Why is that? It's a great question, a good place to start. So I think it goes back, Pablo, to looking at just kind of how I've seen community impact business throughout different stages of my career. And as you said, kind of different types of companies that I've worked at. So going all the way back to my first you know, foray into tech, I was working at a company called CA Technologies, which some of you might be familiar with. At the time that I was there, it was like a huge 14,000 person public company selling into major enterprises. But I actually worked at a business unit that sold 100% through channels. So basically all of our sales, you know, went through channel partners. We did not sell direct to customers in this business unit. And so community was so critically important because we had to like we had to walk the walk and talk the talk of our partners. We had to build relationships with our with our partners. That was really how we were able to accelerate that business unit's business. And so 
Of course, it, it might have looked a little bit different. There wasn't, you know, there was a lot more like in-person events and more like networking dinners and things like that that we were doing for partners. But it was such a huge part of our strategy to invest in community at CA. That was probably like the first time that I really, you know, saw community and again, the impact that can have on business. Then, you know, going into one of my next roles, I worked at a company called Lever. They're in the HR tech space and ATS for, you know, talent acquisition teams. And I joined Lever when it was about a 60 person company, you know, like I think just over 700 customers. They were about a series B at the time that I joined venture back company and community there. It was, I, Getting customer advocates as part to go out and help tell the Lever story, to go out and be passionate. We had such passionate champions who loved partnering with our team, who loved using our products, who were really evangelists for us. And so it was so critically important that we, you know, fostered these relationships and helped really understand what their challenges were that helped inform, you know, the product decisions that helped inform kind of overall strategy, but also it was just, it was a huge way that we did, you know, we did marketing, honestly, it was, they, we had such passionate customers that wanted to come in and, and share their ideas and share with the community. And so we really looked at our role as lever and and specifically on the marketing team on how can we facilitate those types of interactions? How can we facilitate, you know, supporting really the HR community and the talent acquisition community? And we could talk more about more specifics there if you want, but just some, so I've seen it kind of happen really you know, really effectively at lots of different companies. And so heading into work ramp, one of the things that I noticed when I took on this role, I had the opportunity to talk to 10 of our customers within like my first 30 days of joining. And even before I joined, just like doing research, I just saw kind of a similar thing to Lever, such passionate customers, people that loved working with WorkRamp, wanted to, you know, wanted to share their stories, you know, wanted to connect with each other and share ideas. And, and I also learned, you know, through interviewing and joining WorkRamp that, WorkRamp had always been invested in kind of facilitating community and building community around customers. And so coming in, we we really made it one of our top three goals from a marketing perspective to continue to double down on community. And it really came from, you know, both insights from previously in my career and then also just learnings as I joined the company. Wow. That was awesome. So like I there's like three things I want to unpack there real quick and then and then we can continue the flow of this yeah. conversation, right? Like so what I'm hearing, one of the one of the big things that we've keyed into, right? Because as as a company that evangelizes community and sells marketing, you can easily get pigeonholed into this like, build me a community clown. And you know that that doesn't ever happen, right? So we're, we're really just keying into this idea of digital word of mouth as the thing that is the propulsion engine for community, right? And what I'm what I'm hearing from you, which is really cool, is this idea that you went into a marketing role that was a channel-led company and you needed to build out a partner ecosystem, AKA you needed to be able to get people to, you know, tell the benefits of what you do and the mission that you're on and all that yep. stuff. Yep. Then you went, then you went into lever where you found a great bit of word of mouth and that enabled community. And now you're, and now you're in, uh, now you're in work ramp doing the same kind of motion, right? Like, it's just like the more people I talk about, talk to community about, it's like, there's one truth, right? And we all kind of like enter it in different ways, but we, we end up walking a very, very similar path. I find that really, really interesting. And then the other thing is this idea that what you did coming into work ramp, interviewing 10 clients, that's exactly what we tell people to do, right? Like, it's like, if you, if you are, if you are trying to start something, you start 
relationship out, not audience in. I think I think a lot of people make the mistake of I want to do a community, so I'm going to make all this content so I can be a media company, and then that means that they're going to want to be a community around me. But it's really just like go go figure out who your super consumers are, talk to them, figure out how they describe the thing that you do for them in their own words, and then how you bring them together that that allows this like nucleus to build, right? Yeah. And that's a great point, Pablo. So going back to like the WorkRamp story, right? So from the beginning, WorkRamp has been super invested in customers. And during even, you know, a lot of times when I talk to customers or when I listen to gong calls in those conversations, so many times, yes, people like, of course, there's so much great feedback about our products and kind of the innovation that happens on the product. But we also hear so much about the partnership and the experience that customers have with WorkRam and how big of a differentiator that is that is for us, right? And so that comes out in, of course, the amazing you know touch points with our customer success team, the support that they get. But you'll also hear they love, you know, we have literally a Slack channel, right, or a Slack instance that every single customer when they sign up for WorkRam, they are invited into that channel. We call it our VIP community, and this is just a huge value add for them. They not only have access to have, you know, conversations with the WorkRamp team, obviously it's a great communication channel for us to get information if we're having, you know, an event or something like that that's going on, but they also get to interact with each other if they're up against a challenge or, you know, are trying to tackle something or want, you know, just ideas on how to how to approach something. And so I heard this time and time again that they just lo- you know, loved having resources like that when partnering with WorkRamp. Another program, I totally cannot take any credit for this. This is happening before I joined and again just showed that this is an area we wanted to double down on, but WorkRamp also over the past several years has done a quarterly product release event. And this has been an opportunity to invite customers exclusively to, you know, a webinar with our, with our executive team and with our product team. And they get to hear from our CEO directly. They get to interact with each other. You know, chat's always popping off in these experiences, but they also get a first look at what's coming out from a product perspective. And, you know, it's just a really great way to bring our customers together. So, and then that coupled with just the passion that our customers have, like that was why when I, you know, we came into WorkRamp, it was like, oh, this is already happening here. Like, how can we really invest in this and expand, you know, more into this? So that's kind of where it started. And then, you know, we can talk more about where it, where it's going and the other things that we're doing, but it's definitely been kind of part of WorkRamp from really from the beginning of the, the start of the company. Man, sounds like a great company to work for. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for you being there. All right, cool. So I want to I want to stick with. We are going to get into exactly what you're doing at WorkRamp and how you how you believe this stuff works in the kind of like third stage of the call. I want to I want to keep our promise to our community that came to listen to this and talk about kind of mindset and different business models. But you know, real quick, when you went from that moment of having to create evangelist partners and then, you know, moving on to lever and all these different things, your formation as a marketer to your like understanding of like, Oh, I'm really a community builder. What, what changed for you there? Was there, was there some like, like I tell you, right. I parachuted into marketing. I've always been this guy and I've reverse engineered it into marketing, but like, was there kind of a fundamental unlearning, relearning of something that you had to go through in order to just like be all in on this thing? Or was this kind of like, uh, oh, this is what I always wished marketing was? I'd say it's been just kind of an evolution. Like marketing has actually changed so much over the 17 years that I've been part of marketing, right? You kind of, when I started my career, 
in marketing, you know, there wasn't really great ways to tie marketing to business impact. And so a lot of work that marketing was doing then was like brand awareness, you know, product marketing, like helping sales go be successful and maybe generating leads, like what, you know, when demand generally started to have kind of a rise, right? And then we swung, I think, into like really measuring everything from a marketing perspective, like down to, you know, all the technology out there that can down to the click on, you know, multiple ads. Like we all know like what that kind of looks like, right? And so I think that then that went like heavy into kind of demand gen and revenue marketing. And I feel like we're we're taking a swing backwards, it's almost like kind of equal, like we know we have to do branding, right, in order to drive demand, or we know we have to create demand in order to capture demand. You can't, you can't just be kind of on the capture side where you're putting paid search ads out there, you're, you know, you have a website, and you kind of hope people come find you, you actually have to be out there kind of telling your story, creating not just awareness, but affinity and like a an action, like people hear, oh, why do I need to invest in learning? Why do I need to invest in an LMS? And that solves a challenge that I'm having at a personal level, at a business level. And then they want to go take the action to come talk to WorkRamp, right? And so how do you create demand? How do you create affinity? One of the best ways to do that is, you know, through your customers, through word of mouth, through community, right? And even above and beyond, like kind of benefit to the the company. There's obviously like a lot of benefits at the company level, but at the end of the day, if you're helping people be better at their own job, right? If you're helping businesses solve major challenges, even if it's not with your product, if you just have an answer or an idea of how they can solve things, you're just that's just setting you up for long-term success. And so I guess to answer your question, it's not I don't know if there was like an aha moment where I thought, oh, community, you know, like there was like a shift or something in my head. I think it's just as I've kind of seen how marketing has evolved, as as I've kind of seen how buyers evolve, the buyer journey has evolved. Like it just makes a lot of sense to invest in this because it helps your business, it helps individuals. And it just is a a long-term strategy, I think, for for growth and for, for keeping customers and, you know, having a higher lifetime value, honestly, for customers. So... Love it. Love it. Yeah. Keeping customer, higher lifetime value, right? All things that this whole like LTV is the new client acquisition thing, right? Like I, lo- I love all that. I love all that language. And it reminds me of, I, I talk about it kind of like, it's it's really cool that it's just become the best practices of, of of marketing, right? Like it just makes so much sense based on the buyer journey. And I like to I like to compare it to you know, pre-industrial area era of food, we used to be like super tied to kind of the food that we produce, right? Like everybody either had their own like little crop thing or or bought it at a market within like a horse and carriage right away. And then as industrialization hit us, we went into quantity and we went into production. And then as as we've like aged, we've realized that 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 quantity stuff is kind of killing us. And now they sell organic food at, at Walmart because it just makes sense. It's what people want, right? So like, I think it's kind of a similar journey of we industrialized messaging and communication and and we're able to like all of a sudden become like a one person media machine. And as that's created, we're going back to the basics of like, hey, at the end of the day, business is this like exchange of value. Like I got to create value for you in order for you to demand it, you know, or, or even know about it and stuff like that. And I love I love how it's how community has gone from this like systematization of like 
reducing customer service to now people are really starting to understand it as a as a demand generation and as like a as a brand marketing piece. Mm-hmm. But yep. as as we go into 2023, I think there is going to be a, a correction, right? Like I think we're we've moved into this like all right, buyer journey needs it. We got to do this. But I think people are headed into like scarcity mode in 2023 because of because the market's shifting and there's going to be a a heavier emphasis on measurement and on how to drive that stuff. And I know that in your experience, you've you've been in that pressure cooker of just like needing to drive results, whether it's a private equity company or not. Can you can you give us a little bit of how you think people should approach it if if they are trying to build consensus for this right way to market or they have somebody that's like, you gotta, you gotta make, you gotta prove it for me, right? Like how do you approach that conversation? Yeah, that's a great question. So a couple of ways that I'm thinking about it. I mean, first and foremost, one of the ways to measure effectiveness is actually going to be a little bit more anecdotal, right? So there's a couple of ways that you can capture anecdotal community, but let's say for, we actually don't do this on our website, but this is something you know that other people, that other companies might be doing and like a way to, to think about it. If you were to capture, how did someone hear about you know, when you, when somebody gets to your website, how did you hear about WorkRamp, right? It'd be really interesting to see all the different, you know, ways that people are hearing. Are they hearing about you through word of mouth? Are they hearing about you because they found your blog and they think your content is really valuable? Did they attend an event or one of your events? So even just getting an understanding of like how people are hearing about you. And I think we get a lot of that actually just because we have a lot of interactions with our customers. So, you know, when our like, for example, when our CEO does a post on LinkedIn, we'll get like tons of unsolicited, like we love WorkRamp. We, you know, love working with you or we heard about you through X, Y, and Z company. Like, thanks for, you know, sharing so much value. So I think honestly, some of it is just like collecting anecdotal evidence that, you know, this is how people are hearing about you. And again, maybe even just taking a step back before I answer that, it also depends on how you're defining community, like which, which activities are like to support community. So for us, you know, we're very focused on creating amazing event experiences for both our customers and prospects. And that's kind of in our community bucket. We do put a lot of emphasis on providing high quality content and bringing our customer voice to life through content. We're focused on bringing value to LinkedIn. So not just like get, you know, getting downloads off LinkedIn, but literally sharing valuable content posts that, you know, again, help people get better at their jobs every day. Those are some of the ways that, you know, I think about community and that we think about community. And so when we hear from our own customers or prospects that like, that's how they found out about us, or they get a lot of value about us. That's one, you know, proof point on a higher level. When we're putting on things like, for example, those quarterly product events, right, or any of our events for for that matter, we'll take a look at as a percentage of like if we 100% of our customers, how much of how many of our customers, not volume wise, but percentage wise showed up to an event, how many are engaged, right? And so that'll be a good gauge to say, oh, this must have been a really interesting topic or really interesting experience for customers because, you know, 50% of our customers actually wanted to participate in this. So like we should do this type of thing again. So those are some of the metrics that we're thinking about, anecdotal ways that we're thinking about it. And then, you know, I think that really what it comes down to, it sometimes might be very difficult to prove that, you know, like investing in community is impacting revenue directly. But I think what it's really important for marketers to do is to, to, and especially marketing leaders is to educate internally. This is how we're measuring it. 
and just kind of pick what those goalposts are and report back on that and share back on it. And as long as you're doing kind of that internal education, you set goals, you have buy-in from the rest of your leadership team, from your C-suite, that's probably the best way to, to really represent it because, you know, sometimes it can be really hard like to say, well, yeah, we got this customer because we invested in content. But if you, you know, if you're, again, I'm just trying to think of a great way to, like, if you say that we're going to invest in our blog and you can show that, quarter over quarter, you're getting more growth on your blog and you can share it. You can show that customers are saying, we love your content. Then you start mm-hmm. to get some proof points that like, yeah, that's the right activity for us kind of long-term to be investing in. So hopefully that totally. you know, all, totally. yeah. Totally. That, that totally, listen, that totally mirrors our experience as well, right? Like number one, you have, <laughs> I love what you're describing as your quarterly calls. Cause that's our thing, right? Like our thing is like, internet talk show that drives community that gets repurposed across different channels. And the reason why we believe in it so much is because I can tell based on who shows up to this thing, who's listening. And if the thing that I'm talking about is valuable to my, to my community or not. Right. Like, and you get all these and we're very like insight focused in the sense that like the more that you're making like full contact content, right. Like we call it a content engagement, right? Like how can you pull your, your super consumers into the content creation process so that you drive insights sooner based on show up rate and like questions that they ask and self-reported attribution so that then the back end the content is better. And then you're just measuring how am I helping people on the content through the self-reported attribution stuff. So like, and 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 we've seen the same exact thing, right? Like when we first started our, like our famous case study where we drove $40 million off of a community in like year one, it was exactly that. It was, let's define the exact parameters of what we are calling this and not calling this, right? Yeah. Like, Let's, let's see how we are affecting, you know, let's see how the behavior of somebody that is part of this is different than the behavior of somebody that isn't part of this. And then third, we also just started seeing that the people that engage with this thing, like we, we very clear, we very quickly, not very quickly, but it became obvious to us that the, that the first kind of six to 10 super consumers that show that were showing up to this thing were the real key drivers of these like insights and the things that, and the things that, you know, we were learning from that if we leaned into, it allowed us to bring other super consumers into the fold. And it ended up, it's, it's now like year three, it's a total, just like pipeline velocity move, right? Like people that people that come in this way by more, faster than people that come in the other way. And it just takes more, more work for salespeople. So like it's, it, you, I think you described that exactly in your own journey and in your own way, which is awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. The other thing that I think about too, like, I love looking at, you know, other successful companies. And like, if you look at the biggest names, right. Some of the biggest names in, in SAS, for example, like Salesforce, mm-hmm. or if you're looking yep. at HubSpot, or if you're looking yep. at Gainsight, right. There's all these companies and like, they have, it's not all the same playbook, but they have huge community components to them, right? And that's how a lot of these companies have grown. Now, again, it might be like how they define community might be a little bit different at each at each place. But I think it's also, there's just outside of what you can kind of prove in your own internal bubble, there's a lot of external proof points to, to also show like, hey, you know, this has obviously worked for other companies. Like what's our version of this and how can we tap into that? So something else to just consider if you're trying to make a business case. So great, great, great examples. And it, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but like 
you just mentioned three great category designers, right? Like I'm, I'm yeah. a big believer that category design community and evangelism are this like triumvirate of the future business model. But let's, let's stop there before I get too nerdy on category design. Let's go through, let's go through these different kind of experience that you've had, right? Like you've had the channel led experience. You've de- you've had direct, direct sales. You've had product led. Can we talk a little bit about how you know, let, let, let's start with channel led, right? Like that's kind of, that was where, where you said you, you started really cracking open the box and seeing the value of community. How is, how, how does one approach community when it's a, when it's a channel led type of company? Well, so I will give one disclaimer that I haven't been in the channel for seven or eight years, True. maybe even True. longer than that. So it might've changed, but yeah, I a lot has changed in seven, eight years. Yeah. On, uh, from at least my learnings from when I was in the channel. True. So, you know, we were, again, 100% channel-led business, and we obviously wanted to help kind of all of our channel partners, right? We, we had thousands of channel partners, so you kind of had to think about, like, the most scalable ways to facilitate community and make sure partners were set up for success. So I maybe start with, like, the most scalable things we did and then kind of back into to the highest-touch things that we ended up doing there. So, of course, you know, for anybody that's been in the channel, we had a partner program. So this was all about really giving our channel partners benefits and access to tools, resources, even things, you know, like like a financial incentives, right? In order to, in order to do business and be partners with, with CA. And so those are, that was kind of like at scale, like how could we give them the right material so that they could go out and be successful and really understand, you know, why would they sell our solution over another solution? Giving access to even things like marketing materials. Like some of these partners that we were working with were like smaller shops, right? So they didn't have like a marketing department internally that could, you know, there was like, a cup, like maybe a 10 person company that were, people are wearing a lot of different hats. So like, how could we give them things that they might not have time to go out and create? Again, I think that like underlying outside of the tactics was just how could we help bring more value to these businesses? And that was kind of the name of, and that's actually kind of the name of all the community game, in my opinion. It's like, <laughs> I was about, yeah. <laughs> I was about right? to say, right? Like, how do you yeah. bring more value? Like, I just, I'm going to let you keep going, but the, yeah, the idea right. of the idea of like, how do we bring more value to people as the fundamental understanding yeah. and then realizing that most companies that you do work with could use a little bit of extra help in marketing to me is just that perfect value prop of why, you know, like how you fundamentally approach it, right? It's just like, I need to bring you more value. Everybody wants to be promoted. So how do I create something where I'm able to be the stage that promotes the people that I want to do work with is the apps. It's why my company's called be the stage, but continue. Go ahead. Yeah. And it's, I, it's so, I'm glad you, you're in alignment with me on the value thing. Cause really like at the end of the day, any, anything that you're doing around community is about bringing value. So that, that's how we brought value to kind of channel partners at scale. But this is a very, you know, relationship driven business. And so for like top partners, you know, at the time we probably had couple dozen, you know, top partners that we were really invested in, like building business plans together. How are we going to help grow their business? What were their commitments back to us? We had things like our partner advisory board, which I'm sure, you know, many people have run like customer advisory boards in the past, but like getting kind of all of our core top partners in a room, allowing them to give feedback to help shape like what we were doing from a company perspective, help shape our partner program. Even giving, again, back to value, things like, you know, we did like an assessment on maturity of kind of where you are in as a value-added reseller with our partner program, things like that. So it kind of went from like, what were the most scalable things we could do all the way to very, very high touch interactions where we would, you know, literally go 
fly to these partners' offices, teach their team in person, you know, think lunch and learns. I'm sure, you know, some people probably heard of those types of things before, but very relationship driven overall. And so those were some of the ways we were facilitating kind of community from a channel perspective. But really what I came back down to was like, could we help A, grow their business and B, you know, could we help provide more value on top of what we were doing just kind of over day-to-day business? So. Love it. Good news, Jack. It still works. All that stuff still works. I know. Right? Like I know. <laughs> yeah. We have one client that's the channel led partner. They're 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 in like the infection control healthcare tech space, right? And they distribute through through partner through channels, right? And it's exactly that. It's the same exact playbook. It's we have the we have the show where we're creating like content around them and we will go to like conferences. We do like a podcast as a trade show booth and we bring in thought leaders of the space to like connect them to each other. They have the client advisory board. And then, and then literally like six months ago, we were in this kind of marketing meeting. I'm like, guys, like you're, they have this guy, Cameron, who's an awesome email marketer. And I'm like, why aren't you guys hosting a workshop with the rest of your channel partners on how to do email marketing led by Cameron? You know, like how do how do we not how are you not doing that stuff, right? And that's kind of the where, where it's going. So yeah, totally one to one. Still, the partner stuff is is the same thing with a little bit more technology. Love it, love it. I love man. This is so. This is really validating to me. Thank you. Yeah. It. No, it, it was fun too, and you know yeah. you learn a lot. I mean, the benefit too, like of course, there's you know you're investing in your partners and stuff, and and through those interactions, yeah. you learn a lot, right? Yeah. So like you're all actually learning about what like what they're hearing or what their challenges are. And it's definitely mutually beneficial to be, to be investing in kind of those really high value relationships for sure. Oof. That was a golden nugget right there. I'm going to have my team clip that and paste that across all my social media channels. So if you could just give this a pause right now, go into the show notes and connect with me on whatever platform you like to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever you want to be a part of my life in connect with me there. I'm going to share that clip and you can share it with your friends so that they get the same lesson. It'll be adding value to their life. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to the show. If you haven't already hit five star review, right? You don't have to leave a review. You just got to hit five stars. If you want to leave a review, cool. And maybe send the episode to your friend. That would be awesome. That's it. I'm done. Back to the show. You know what I have found in the partner-led thing that is that is slightly different? I, I, I really do believe in the concept of the super consumer and, and how that works. I don't, know if, I don't know if you read that book, but it's a great book by Eddie Yoon. But what I have found that that's particularly true in the partner-led is that just like, you know, 10 relationships can really move the needle for 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 a partner led company in a, in a way unlike other business models that I've seen right like you might you might tap into a fountain source of like media or something like that but as far as that like pure relationship building that like customer advisory board of of just getting 10 people in a room together for partner led I feel like drives major revenue if you get that part right I don't know if is that is does that make sense to you yeah it's like you know 80 20% of your partners might drive 80% of your revenue, oh. right? So if you're yeah. investing in helping set them up for success, you're giving them the tools. And of course you want to be investing in, you know, the whole partner community, but you find your kind of your champions, you invest yeah. in, you know, invest in those. Can you drive like, you know, accelerate and maximize your results? Yeah, yeah. I get what you're well, saying. Then. 
Yeah. Love that. And and for you know our audience, so our, our clientele is partner led and does stuff like that. Our audience is sometimes the solopreneur, the coach. I think that you can use this stuff one to one in like an affiliate strategy or you know anytime that you're trying to build relationships that can take you from you know one on one to one to few or one to many kind of thing. Similar type of playbook. You can create like your advisory board of like your your most successful people. Use those insights to drive. Have them be referral sources, the influencer play, whatever. Let's talk product led. Can you tell me a little bit about how it applies there? Yeah. So for context, I worked at SurveyMonkey, which rebranded to Momentive. I was there from 2018, just before SurveyMonkey IPO'd and spent about three years there. And I was actually on the enterprise side of the business. So this is when SurveyMonkey had started to put really the gas on selling into enterprise. We had SurveyMonkey Enterprise. We started building out our enterprise portfolio and experience management. And so it was you know, really building that muscle and expanding that muscle while I was there. But what was so interesting about SurveyMonkey and a lot of products-led growth, like these are, you, you again, you get that like groundswell of, you know, people that are are using the product and they love the product because it's easy to use or, you know, it's solving, just making their day-to-day easier. And a lot of times that's, I mean, that's why product led is so popular because you get, you know, millions of people using the product. And then it's like, oh my gosh, we actually have to, you know, get this for the enterprise level. And so we saw that at SurveyMonkey that, you know, millions of people using SurveyMonkey for surveys, not just for, you know, for some things were, you know, for, you know, a survey here or there to collect feedback, but the, these surveys were also being used for big business decisions, right? So think about you're in HR and you need to do employee feedback surveys, especially especially when COVID hit, which was, I was at SurveyMonkey when COVID hit, all of a sudden you needed a ton of feedback really fast from your entire employee base on an ongoing basis, right? And so really powerful use cases and in, in terms of how businesses were using Survey monkey. But the reason I say all of this is because what I think what happens with a lot of PLG companies, and you can you could see it in a couple of examples, which I'll share in a second, is that they're able to create a lot of com- like community because there's like a lot of user generated content. So mm-hmm. you'll you'll find like go to Airtable, for example, right? Huge company right now, or um Figma, yeah, we, another really we, good. We love example. Airtable. We we've incorporated Airtable in like everything we do. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, they're amazing. There's so many different use cases. Figma, like, you know, one of the biggest acquisitions of all time in tech, right? Like you go to their sites and you have all these people that love using the product and are sharing how they're using the product, are sharing templates, are sharing like so. There's like almost this just it's it's yeah, like I think you can still do a lot of the same things we've talked about. You can still put out really great content yourself. You can still, you know, host events and stuff, but I think PLG, what's interesting is like, how do you get like users kind of sharing their own content, sharing ideas and stuff like that and kind of create the space to do that? I think that's kind of an interesting thing in PLG specifically. Maybe, maybe in direct, like it might not be exclusive, but like more, that's one of the things I guess that I pull out of kind of experience in PLG. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, right? So we're we're totally that for Airtable and for Descript, right? Like we we use Airtable and Descript and everything that we do, we literally just put together like a training program on just Descript that we're going to use as a lead magnet, just free evangelization of of Descript kind of thing. And I think yeah. I, I think for that stuff, it's goes back to digital word of mouth, right? And it goes back to a very a, a very like core concept to what I think community building, what drives community building and engagement to a certain extent, which is how do you attribute status to people in the community, right? Like how do you, how does somebody go from being a a user of Airtable to like 
the person that's like the three-star user. And therefore I give you social validation on my big tech platform that everybody's using and give you expertise to go talk about it on a stage because you have created something special. You now get to like be guilty by association with me. And how do I formulate, you know, how do I make that status concrete, right? Like how do I make you part of the layer two cool club or layer three cool club kind of thing? I think that works really, really well for, for product like growth. Yeah. The other interesting thing as we're talking about this is like, you go to those sites, right? And you're like, I want to be part of this. Like I <laughs> look at how many things I can solve. Like I want to be part of this cool movement. Right. And so that's another aspect of just kind of all community. I think that it's kind of like, how do you, it's like a, like a, like a club or like, I want you know, I want to be in that. Right. And so I think that's definitely an element to this for sure is just like, wow, A, what you said, like, you know, do you get kind of status from it? Is there credit Mm -hmm. with that? But also just if you can look at something and say, geez, this can solve a hundred of my 99 of a hundred of my problems, right. Or, you know, helps me accelerate in so many different areas. You're like, I want to be part of this. I want to kind of know what's going on here. So I think that's definitely an element to it. Love it. Love it. All right, cool. Let's spend the rest of this time talking about sales led and how you're doing it. Um, right now. So, so, all right, so let's, let's just establish kind of like sales led and, and, and community. You had some really great examples for the first two. Give it to me. (laughs) Yeah. So I think taking a step back when I, you know, when we set out in this past fiscal year from work ramp, our marketing department really had three main goals, of course, you know, driving overall company mission and vision, but our marketing department had three main goals or maybe even like three strategies, I guess, that we were deploying to to get to our bigger company goals. So the first was that we were tied to pipeline and revenue. I'm a, you know, I've come up through demand gen, I'm a revenue marketer at heart. And so, or maybe by you know, my past experiences. So I'm definitely had goals set up for marketing to drive pipeline and revenue. We had a goal to really go out and help redefine the LMS, the learning management system, you know, learning platform. How should the market be thinking about a next-gen LMS? What does that really mean? What are the differences in kind of work ramp versus, you know, legacy solutions, all those things? How do we go out and tell kind of that story? So that was one of our big initiatives. And then our third was community. And what that meant was rolling out, really investing in customers and rolling out more customer programming and customer t- touch points in order to invest in our customers and help them be spotlighted as thought leaders. So we can talk a little bit more about what we did there. And then also we had a really big effort this last year to go actually invest in just kind of the learning community at large, just even, you know, customers, of course, are a big part of it, but then how can we also just engage with prospects and just again, the the larger community in general. So from a customer standpoint, we have continued some of the programming I already programming I've already talked about. So continuing with our, you know, VIP Slack channels been, you know, that's something we've kept up. Our quarterly product events is something we've kept up. But we also rolled out new new programming. So we heard that customers, especially, you know, when the the market kind of mid last year started to become more uncertain. There's a lot, you know, the news cycles, just like so much stuff was going on last year. We were hearing from customers that they wanted more opportunities to actually like share ideas and and wanted us to help facilitate them getting with others. So, you know, we sell into HR, other HR leaders, we sell into revenue enablement, revenue enablement leaders. So we rolled out programming specifically to facilitate that on from our customer. We, we rolled out, um, a workshop, we called it a peer learning workshop, invited customers exclusively, had topics led by kind of our team and 
this had nothing to do with our product. This had like, we didn't talk about products at all, right? This had everything to do with, hey, we heard from our customers that these are things that they were having challenges around. Let's give everyone the platform to come talk about how they're tackling that. So like, that was one example of, of something we did. Another thing that I mentioned was that we've been highly invested in creating quality content and quality event experiences. And so how has that kind of come to life? And what does that mean for like community? So again, with this idea of like, everyone's dealing with lots of different challenges, like we're very invested in creating content that helps people think through how to, you know, navigate certain things they might be up against. How do you, one of our top use cases is customer success teams building out customer education, right? Customer education program. So we have a lot of content. We listen to what what customers are doing that we're doing this super well. We listen to challenge they were having. Now you can go onto our blog and you'll see really great, powerful and like applicable content where it says like, hey, if you're thinking about building customer education, this is how you do it. And I think about that in the community bucket because again, you're bringing the voice of customer to life through this type of content and you're creating a space where people can come learn, right? And so that's kind of what the goal of our content has been. And then events have been another big thing that we've invested in. And kind of along the same lines of like the customer events, we created prospect and customer events where it was not, you know, not just exclusive for customers, but really, again, an experience where people could tap into not just hear about work, but really hear from thought leaders, executives, other customers on, you know, that we just did this event. It was called work ramp learn in November. That was the biggest event we did this last year, but that was really about, again, bringing people together to just learn from each other and hopefully take some things away, which they did. We got a lot of great feedback that they did have really applicable tips and, you know, bring it back to the organization to try something new. So that's really kind of in the core, some of the core things that we've been doing to, you know, build community, invest in community. And then I guess the last thing I would say is on kind of the bigger community at large, we've also looked at, you know, where do, where do our prospects and customers spend a lot of time outside of WorkRamp? And, you know, we have found that LinkedIn is a place where people do spend a lot of time. Communities like the Sales Assembly, which, you know, brings together sales and go-to-market leaders. And so we've also done a lot of work to think about strategic programming and strategic investments and just making sure we also are where our community already is spending time and bringing value through those channels as well. So I just said a lot of things. (laughs) So good. It's so good. It's so good. So I just want to, I'm going to reverse engineer a couple of things you said. Number one, the the event strategy to me is so is so clean to me because I think that there is in that, you know, Eddie Yoon, the guy that wrote Super Consumers, I keep pointing to it because it's one of the books back there. He said something on my podcast that's like, there is no more powerful tool for client acquisition than two of your super consumers talking about you while a, while a oh, prospect yeah. is listening, right? Yeah. So how you, to me, this, this idea of it, you know, driving digital word of mouth is kind of like the 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 wind in the sail of community, but the the client acquisition tool is that the client acquisition tool is how you engineer people being in the same room, two of them totally buy in on you, and one person's like, "Are you real?" Right? Like that. That is just like a beautiful systematic client acquisition technique. The enabling of thought leadership to me is you know at the core of what we're talking about, right? How do you provide a little bit of value? You have yeah, totally. Yeah, you have I mean you're doing it right now, right? You are you are making a point of going on podcasts and talking about 
your skill set and the things that you've done and show yourself as a thought leader is very valuable to you. It's also super valuable to work ramp because nobody here that you know is listening to you speak isn't gonna and has a LMS need is not gonna go to your website and be like, oh, all right, let me go check that out. I like what these people are doing, right? So like that that idea of just like win 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 scenarios where you're orchestrating it to me is to me is beautiful. And the way that you're doing it, this this like peer learning workshop stuff is is where we are evolving into, right? Like we've created, I I have this like thesis that because we realized that that big community that we were able to, to build and drove $40 million year one, we tie back most of the profit to just about like 30 people. Then the shortcut to getting a community going is how do you create that like team of Avengers real quick? And the easiest thing for that is like a cohort online class where you get a bunch of people going through the same thing, trying the same thing, and then they kind of like graduate into your superstar community members, right? So, and that then creates the content that you need to help people to learn that drive events and drive everything else, right? So like everything you're saying is very, very parallel to to the stuff we're learning. and And I love it. What is your... I don't know when I, when I say all that, is there any, any like reaction you have right off the bat or can I shoot another question? No, go, let's go. I know we don't have that much time. So let's yeah. get in. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. So that being said in 15 minutes, we're going to do our relationship driven growth strategy sessions. We're going to do a new format today. Right. But I would love to, if you have a question for Jack, I'm going to start, I'm going to ask Ryan to just start letting people on as panelists so that you can engage in this conversation as soon as you can. Cause I know Jack has a meeting coming up here in 15 minutes. So we're going to, we're going to close it at six o'clock Eastern for three o'clock for you, right? Jack you're on the West coast. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're going to, we're, we're going to finish that part and move into strategy sessions. So start either putting your question in the Q and a or raise your hand. Ryan can bring you on the screen. In, in all this stuff, Jack, like this is a, this is a big lift, right? Like you have, you know, you, you clearly can't do this all yourself, right? Like you are building a team to execute at multiple levels with an awesome strategy. You said something in our onboarding call that I really wanted to dig into because in the world of community and community managers, right? Like everybody's like dream archetype is the chief community officer. Like they, they see this thing and that's the person that's going to drive it all. And I think you have something to say about that. Yeah. I mean, I think what it comes down to is that community has to be everybody's responsibility, in my opinion, at an organization. Like it can't just be something I care about. And I'm talking about as the marketing leader, this has to be something that you know, sales really believes in. It has to be something that my CEO really believes in. It has to be something that, you know, everyone believes in. It has to be something customers believe in, but it it really is everybody's responsibility to drive, to drive engagement with the community. So again, more tactical examples of this, like our VIP Slack community, we don't just have like, yes, we have, you know, our customer success managers in there. We have our marketing leaders or we have marketing in there as well that might, you know, spark conversations and things like that. But we have our product managers in there that, you know, can get if there's like product questions or feedback or something like that. And they'll, you know, start interactions, right, with our customers. You'll you'll see our CEO or other leaders just pop in and start conversations with different customers. Like it's not one person's responsibility. Now we have someone that manages it and that's responsible for making sure that all the moving parts are happening. But, you know, everybody at the com- company effectively is like responsible for making sure that there's interaction and we're bringing value to customers, it's not just one person's job to do that. So I think that's kind of, you know, even with these events and with content, like 
there's no way that we could put on or do all this great content kind of in a vacuum. We need to get insights back from our sales team. We need to get insights back from like leadership to, to be able to go out and create that great content. Of course, we were also listening to gong calls and, you know, listening to customers, interviewing customers, using, leveraging their voice and their insights as well as we're creating things. But it just goes back to like, none of these things can kind of just happen with one person. Sure, you'll have a project manager or someone who's accountable to it. But at the end of the day, all of these activities happen and engagement with community happens if everyone's really invested in it, in my opinion. So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, there can be a, a community manager, a community officer, the person who's like in charge of like keeping the tapestry together, but that person needs buy-in from at least a point person in product, in sales, in marketing, in the exec committee, and maybe even subject matter experts as well, if you have some of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, again, for anything we're doing, like Again, the product, the peer-led workshops is another really great example. Like we did hear from customers topics that they wanted to cover in that, but we also heard from customer success. Like, hey, these are things we're hearing every single day in conversations we're having. We should think about, you know, addressing this in the peer in the peer learning workshop because customers are going to get a lot of value out of it. And so I just I think it's it's just it's got to be like a company strategy. It can't just be something marketing is doing on the side or someone kind of, you know, on the side is responsible for. It really has to be like a strategy and then that's how you get all the resources and kind of get alignment around. Yeah, this is important. So, love it. How do you keep it organized, Jack? Like how are you are you, are you basically the person that's in charge of the community strategy? Do you have a point person and how do you kind of just like keep it all in one place? Yeah, I mean, I think it's nice when things fit nicely into to boxes, but it doesn't always work like that. I mean, so here, the way we have things set up, I do have a community manager on the marketing side, but she partners really closely again with a lot of the different stakeholders, right, that I talked about. So well, again, her name is Megan, we'll be, you know, leading kind of efforts, making sure that we are starting like conversation drivers, or if there's a conversation happening, we need to tag someone in. So she's responsible from that for the for that from that point of view. But then an event, for example, is going to be led by like my content team and product marketing team. And then we'll pull in kind of different stakeholders across the organization. So I think it kind of, it actually isn't like one program. It's like, it's like, there's a lot of different programs or a lot of different initiatives that kind of roll up into community. And so we'll have different owners for each of those different things that are responsible and accountable. But again, it's not like there's one you know, community owners, just there's a lot of different things that support community. And we're clear about the fact that that's supporting community. And then we're also clear about the owner to make sure, you know, we can drive those initiatives forward. So. Love that. Love that. Tell me more about how you do these, the, like the online events with your executives, right? Like, tell me a little bit more about kind of like the genesis of that and how you execute it, right? Like we have a, we have a very, very clear framework of, of how we promote it, how we do it, how we execute it, how we post after that we teach in this like relationship flywheel bootcamp, but I would love to hear from you kind of like how you built that process or, you know, any, any, any insights into that. I'm always trying to learn from other people doing something similar. Yeah. So we did our first big kind of thought leadership event. We had done some webinars and some things throughout the year, but our big, big one where, you know, we were driving thousands of registrations and attendees for a one day event. It was called work ramp learn 
spoiler alert, we're doing another one in March. But that was Say it. Louder. Yeah. You're doing another one in March, work, ramp, learn. No, no, tell us more yeah, about we it. Are. Spoiler yeah. alert, we're doing another one in March, work, ramp, learn. Oh, cool. be coming live February 15th. And then you'll be able to participate if you want to come. It's going to be March 23rd, but you'll be able to sign up starting February 15th. But awesome. anyways, we, you know, we did this in November and this was a whole, everybody on marketing. So I have a, a 10 person marketing team, including myself, everybody on marketing was responsible for some part of bringing this event to life. Right. So we had overarching, the goal was, you know, let's get as many customers and prospects engaged to register. We didn't even have honestly, huge pipeline goals or anything. This was really just more about, let's see how many people we can engage and really get you know, excited and learning about WorkRamp. That was kind of the main goal. Let's bring the community together. So the first thing it started with, honestly, was what was the content and who were the speakers going to be? Because that, again, going back to, okay, how do we bring value back to our community? Those were the things that were going to drive value. If someone could come see someone that they cared about seeing and wanted to learn from, that was going to be a big draw and they're going to get value out of that. Or if it was a topic, again, that was going to help them do better in their day-to-day job, do better as a company, that was going to be something. So that's where we spent like a ton of time just getting really thoughtful about who were we inviting and what topics were we going to cover. I went through a lot of iterations, honestly. We were very intentional about who we asked to come speak. You know, maybe in the future, we'll do something like a call for speakers or something like that as the event evolves. But this was a pretty curated, you know, curated event from that perspective. And we just spent a lot of time, honestly, on like making it really great content. We had great partners. We work with a company called East Peak and they help us with production. They helped us just make the event experience, the content come to life in a really meaningful way. Did a ton of, I mean, the speakers we had from customers to thought leaders, it was just, all of it was really, that. that's where a lot of the value came from. And so that's where we spent a lot of time. And then of course, you know, we had a very comprehensive promotion plan that included lots of channels and, you know, lots of testing messaging and activating our speakers and activating our employee base and activating customers and stuff like that. But what really came down to was if this is going to be community and how to provide value and, you know, how do we do that? It was really the content and the the people we asked to come be part of it. So I love it. I love it. I love it because that's what we spend the majority of our time really harping on is this idea of are you talking about something that someone cares about with someone that somebody wants to meet? Yeah. Right. And how to, you know, how you approach that part is, is really kind of at the foundation of it. And that starts with knowing the people that you're trying to serve. And if you don't know them, then it's like, how do you create this, these ways that you can get those insights so that you can then pull this kind of thing off. And I love how you approach it all. One, one question on that, you mentioned something earlier about like, the chat starts going off, right? Like to me that the idea of like people making friends inside of a chat of a virtual event is very, very real to me, right? It happens here all the time. It happens in our client shows. Talk to me about, you, you mentioned that. Did I did I get yes. that correctly? Or no, and more. I love that you're bringing this up because that was honestly, so again, kind of taking you, taking you back a little bit, work ramp in general internally, like, and if you join any of our team meetings, people are very active in the chat and it's kind of part of our culture. And that actually extended into those quarterly product events that we put on for our customers where, you know, our employees are super hyped in the chat and then that gets our customers super hyped and they're engaged. And like, you get this really great, you know, dialogue happening and just people reacting. And it's, it's like exciting. You kind of feel, again, you're part of something, right? You get to feel like you're part of something. So those were like our customer events. 
but that extended into our bigger work ramp learn, which included, you know, customers and prospects because our employees were in there doing that. But our customers were so used to that type of interaction from our other events that they almost like organically just started to like engage in that way. And then the platform we used also really encouraged like it was fun. Like, so you could, you know, emojis are flying everywhere. And like, it just was like kind of very interactive experience. So people, I think also like, you know, we're getting excited about just like what that experience was overall. So in general, though, it's funny that you bring that up because I actually think that that engagement and excitement that came from that event was a, a big differentiation point in the event for people. Like they felt like they actually were connecting with other people, right? And they, yeah. So I, I loved that about our events. I hope it happens again at the, the it, March. It's farm. so real. That's why we. That's why we do all our stuff on Zoom because it's you know we when we're teaching this methodology to people. People want to be like, well, I can do restream and I can be like live on everything. And I'm like, dude, you don't understand that the intimacy of like a Zoom chat or whatever captive thing that they're in, that they're chatting in creates a real, real sense of community. And that's what you're playing for. And the idea that if people connect with each other through you, then you're going to be a part of their life forever. And that's the queen on the chessboard right there. Right. So like, I love that that's your experience and that that's what you got on top of the fact that if we're trying to systemize this idea of you know, how do you get two people that love you talking about you in front of somebody that's not sure that's it right there. Right. So like, I think that that's really where the, um, where the real value comes from this stuff. Stacey Dobis asked, are most of your events online or are you doing stuff in person also? We haven't ventured into the in-person experience yet, but that could be definitely something that we consider in the future. Right now, our events are all online though. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Jack, this was awesome. I want to get you off to your next call. I know you got a hard stop. I just got to say like this, I don't take a lot of pitches onto my show. I do, you know, like, and there's like, it happens only when I can tell that somebody's like fully aligned and fully like in on this thing. And lemon pie is actually really, really good at figuring that out. So you're the second one I take from lemon pie out of a total of like three, but I had a feeling like that this would, that this would be a conversation like this, a conversation where we have both come in from different places found this like one truth and like can speak about it in our own words. And I just got to tell you that for me, as somebody that still feels very insecure, calling myself a marketer in front of someone that's been marketing for 17 years and your, and your track record of success, like it's just a really nourishing conversation to me to, to think that I'm like thinking like you and we're doing similar things and yours is working in these like massive tech companies. And I'm trying to help the little guy and, and, and the small business owner over here. So I just really, really appreciate you coming on. Like all the, all the preparation that you put into this was awesome. Like I haven't had many people send me notes like you have, and it really <laughs> led to an awesome dialogue. And I just, I just really, really want to thank you. And when you do your next event thing, just send it to me. I'll send it to my list. Like I'm in on checking this thing out. It sounds awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to come have this conversation. I love, I love talking about this. It's so much fun to share ideas. And for anybody on here, if you want to add me on LinkedIn, I'm Jack Foster and again, VP of marketing at WorkRamp, but I'd love to connect and stay connected to this community there. So there you go. Well, that was interesting, wasn't it? I thought Jack was really awesome there. Um, and really shocking how there is just one truth in this whole community building thing, right? Like there is this idea that you got to create moments to interact with your clientele. You got to make content out of those moments and you got to continue to add value. It's just a fundamental thing. If you want more ways of understanding how to drive revenue from this, I highly recommend episode 204, which is the nine ways to monetize a podcast by adding a live show. It's got some real four fundamental concepts of how it becomes sales enablement 
and then nine techniques that you can do to um, create these moments that create these insights and generate the content that I think you'll like. So check out episode 204 and I would love to see you on the Relationship Flywheel Bootcamp. Um, go to bethestage.live slash bootcamp to join us for the next one starting in end of February. We are going to give you the whole what you got to talk about on a show, how to promote it, who you got to have on, uh, RSOPs for doing it, how to repurpose content, all this like awesome stuff that's going to be super, super useful for you. And finally, how to drive revenue with it all, right? Which is something that everybody's trying to figure out right now, right? Is how do we make sales easier in this down economy that's coming? Well, for us, the answer has always been add value through content and drive community. And this is the whole template. Go to bethestage.com slash bootcamp. Oh, sorry. Be the stage live slash bootcamp. Join us end of February for the fourth cohort back and better than ever. And, uh, as always, I got to thank my team. I want to thank Rowan, who is my right hand with all this stuff. She's been, um, you know, keeping me on task and doing all the small things that need to happen in order to make all this work. Gina does all the big things, right? She's the one that created our amazing culture and brought in our incredible team. And Marge, who's her right hand, who, uh, quite frankly, has uh, become like my right hand by proxy as well. And JP, our employee number one, who makes everything cool around here, right? Like he is the graphic designer, video editor that uh, adds a ton of value through his amazing design. He's our creative director. Uh, he's mentoring Philippe, who is also coming up and learning a bunch of cool stuff. And he's serving our clients with our videos and the graphic design stuff. Made a really awesome lead magnet recently that we're about to go live with. I want to thank our in-house writer, Nicola, who is my buddy. I've been mentoring for a bunch of years now, and he's turning into like a world-class writer. It's awesome. Rita, our content strategist, who is in charge of kind of like content direction for our clients and like stuff that we're evolving and uh, she's doing a really amazing job really love working with her our two other account managers joanna and joyce who are out there serving clients at a really really high level and um you know at the end of the day what i really really want you to key into is this idea that relationships are more valuable than transactions see you next week